Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Dairyland Sports Podcast. Uh, switched it up, spiced it up a bit from CNS Sports, and it's draft week. Happy draft week. And with me today is two of my cousins, um, Casey Passer, Carrie Passer, and um, another cousin of mine, Matt Stoics, all dynasty experts. Uh, guys, how are you doing? Very good, Sam. Doing well, getting excited. Good to be here. Yeah, and what better way to uh, start off Giraffe Week some, with some shocking news so we're going to start off today with is Gronk is back. Um, there were rumors flying throughout the, um, most of the afternoon um, that he was actually get, still getting paid about $10 million from the Patriots with his last year until finally um, pending physical, and now he has been traded. Um, along with the seventh-round pick to the Buccaneers. And uh, Tampa sends a fourth-round pick to the Patriots. So what do you guys think of that move? Um, Sam, I was looking at it earlier in the day, and I think I told all you guys that uh, I saw an interview with him, and he just he looked swole. It looked like he had a plan, and it looked like he was coming back for something. Um, and... You just couldn't think it was going to be WWE. It looked like he was coming back for something important. And coming back for Brady, um, that was important enough. Yeah, I. the guy wants to play. I don't think there was any question about that. Even when he retired, he still wanted to play. He was just physically beat up at the time. And I don't know if that's a... Do you... Now that he's back in the league, do we account that to the Patriots regimen or do we account that to the fact that he finally had a year off that he was able to recover? I mean, it's no secret he's got injury history, but uh, the guy wants to play. I can't imagine he's not going to be anything other than, than just a beast again like he was before. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're looking at Gronkowski for fantasy-wise having at least 40 catches, 600 yards, at least five touchdowns if he's going to be under that system with Bruce Arians. I think the thing to look out for, too, is we haven't seen Gronk next to a a secondary tight end like O.J. Howard since Gronk first came into the league with Hernandez. So it's going to be interesting to see what Brady, Gronk, and O.J. Howard are able to do. And how does that hurt Mike Evans and Godwin? See, O.J. Howard's been on the market, too, which, honestly, like, before all this happened, I was kind of surprised because all the other teams in the North have got their quarterbacks, they've got their uh, they've got their tight end set, which it kind of surprises me. You've got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and I don't know why you wouldn't keep O.J. Howard. To me, I think they should keep O.J. Howard, but they also restructure Cam and Brate's contract unless they roll with a three-tight end scheme. Um, but I, I know O.J. Howard's been on, the, been on the trade block for about a week now. Yeah, O.J. Howard has definitely been chopped around. Um, in fact, after Gronk signed, that was that was the next thing that was trending, was where where is O.J. Howard going to go? Um, and I've heard that 
uh, looks like Jake Laser said that Gronk has passed a physical already for the Bucks. The trade is not completed yet, but that physical has already been completed. And I just, I, I got to think that OJ Howard is still going to be shopped. He's still going to be out of Tampa Bay. Um, Cameron Brate becomes a little bit more interesting. I think that, I don't think they're going to do a two tight end scheme, but I think that Brady is going to need the weapons underneath. He's not the guy that can push the ball down the field like he used to be. Yeah, I mean, O.J. Howard's had three years to develop, and he hasn't caught over 40 receptions uh, in a year. So that's a little concerning. I know he's only in his fourth year now, but he's had the, he, he's had the, uh, the ability to excel, and he's had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and he hasn't been able to do anything or capitalize on that. How much of that can we account to Jameis Winston, though, too? And that's the, uh, the question I've always wondered is, Everyone said when Jameis came into the league, all he did was pepper his tight ends in college, and it's the last thing he did in the NFL. So is that something Tom Brady can turn around with A.J. Howard if he stays? See, another thing to point out, too, I, I, think, I think the Buccaneers need to go O-line heavy in this draft, and they need to address the run game. Devontae Freeman is still out there, a guy who has experience um, in the passing game, which is, again, another thing the NFL does look for uh, in the running back mold. Yeah. So, um, on to the Packers offseason recap. I did spend individual days going through positional needs, both offense and defensively. So, um, not a whole lot happened. A lot of low-risk, high-reward contracts. Um, I think a lot of people, to me, I was pleased. Um, I think I think a lot of it was planning for next season because we have key players like Corey Linsky, Corey Lindsley, Bakhtiari, uh, both Williams and Jones and Kenny Clark up for deals. So I think a lot of it had to do with planning ahead for next year because it's going to be an even busier offseason. So the first one was Devin Funchess. A lot of people, including I, was very shocked, um, to say the least. However, I'm just going to compare the sizes between Devin Funchess, who is 6'4", 225, and Alan Lazard, who's 6'5", 227, and... Alan Lazard is just a prime example of somebody who went from the practice squad. He was a stud at Iowa, at Iowa State and quickly made a name for himself. And Rodgers praised him. He praises size. And I think Devin Funches is a decent fit for us. The Packers love them a big wide receiver. That they they have that prototype. They've had Randall Cobb, but ever since then they have just they've moved away from that, and they want to go get those big guys. They like the big big targets. Um, if they're faster, that's even better. Um, and Devin Funches is not going to be the fast guy out there, but he's a huge target. And they did not give him the contract that Indianapolis gave him, so you got a deal. And you're right. If you're planning for if you're planning to actually sign the bulk of those guys after next season, you have to shore up some some aspect or some part of uh, that offense. And it, he's a quality wide receiver. He's somebody that is going to be able to fill in with an injury. And if you don't get a guy that pops in the draft, which we're hopefully going to talk about, a wide receiver that the, uh, that the Packers draft, this is a guy that, um, that they can turn to. 
Yeah, I mean, being a longtime Packers fan, I, I think they should address the inside linebacker needs. Um, they haven't really done anything in free agency besides picking up, a, I can't even remember his name right now. Um, Kirksey. Yeah, exactly. Um, if they're going to go offense, honestly, I think they should shore up the offensive line. But if we're talking wide receiver, I think uh, they need to pick up Clemson's uh, T. Higgins. I mean, the guy's a stud. He's 6'3". He's got good speed. He's got great uh, uh, hand-catching ability. I just think he's uh, one of the guys that's being overlooked in the draft. Well, and I think that's the big question mark for them is do they if they go wide receiver high or pick a wide receiver high like that with T. Higgins, I mean, what was the point of picking up Funches? You know, and I, I – I don't dislike either option there, but Fontes is one of those guys that it, it's kind of been hazy on whether or not he really is a player that coaches and that teams like mm-hmm. ever since Carolina, ever since that first year. I mean, you're not really sure if he is one that people want to have around. And seeing that contract that he got with Green Bay, you just kind of go, okay, so he's a he's a fifth string guy that like Casey said he can you you can throw in there when you absolutely need it but is he a guy you're going to rely on and I think right away you're going to see if they take a T Higgins or another wide receiver high in the draft you're going to know right away where they see Funches being at Mm -hmm. I'd like to see training camp with Funches first before you know we really see what they're expecting to do with him because I I really think it was a depth play I think it was a depth signing it was purely just to we can get a veteran guy in here and then we can pick up a young receiver to to work work in with him. I, I think that that's I think that that's the approach that some teams are taking, especially um, considering with what we're dealing with. The big elephant in everybody's room is um, the coronavirus and dealing with that situation where you might not get as much hands on time or. Uh, classroom time with rookies that are coming in um, or even new guys. So people might be resigning that wouldn't have usually. Um, People might not be reaching in the draft like they usually would because they won't get the time in with some of these guys. So while Funches is that insurance um, and maybe just a depth play, um, it's it's a very real, it's a reality this season that Rookies yeah. might not be ready for when the season starts. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, another thing. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the thing I always worry about at that size, and I haven't seen any reports on it, but those wide receivers at that size, you always are, you're always waiting for that Calvin Benjamin reporting 20 pounds overweight type of scenario yeah. that really worries you. Yeah, and the, and the other thing that we've seen time and time again is we need speed. And Mark Valdez-Scantling is the only guy that runs under a 4-5 on, on the receiving core, as well as EQ Brown, 4-4-7, who I really think, coming off an injury, I really think fans still forget that we have him. I'm a big fan of Jalen Rieger. Um, I don't, I'm still pondering the fact that he supposedly ran a 4-2-2 at his pro day, um, posted by Schefter. Um, but I truly think he's a, he could be a slot guy. We need a guy that fits that um, little sh- shorter than 6'3 type of mold, rapid, speedy guy. I think he could be the Randall Cobb type of player, but better. What about LaVisca Chenault? He's a little bit on the bigger side, but he's been playing utility uh, his whole career in college. 
See, I like him. I think his size and his speed will help his draft stock a lot. The thing that worries me, and again, like I've seen him multiple times at 30. I was a big fan of him until, and I think this is the reason why I, I think he's going to drop a little bit is um, his injury history. And to me, like if you have injury history, if you have a mate, like that's a major red flag. If you have, if you're going through minor injuries, I want to say he went through a, a torn labrum. Um, and I get that like certain positions you play, that it's more effective than others because we've seen Jonah Williams went out for the year. Rashawn Gary played through it. Um, but a torn labrum is serious. And like if the fact that you're going through like a major injury like that, to me, that that's just a red flag. And I just think he drops because of that. He definitely could drop, but that's a guy that the drop, the drop wouldn't be as far as you think it might. Cause he's a utility player, like Matt said, and he can fit into an offense. That's not going to run him into the ground. Like Colorado had to. He's not going to have to take snaps from the quarterback position. He's not going to have to. They can choose to if they want to. So if LaVishka Chenault landed with the Packers, I mean, and he doesn't, even, it doesn't have to be the first round, second round. Like the depth of the wide receiver position is going to allow that guy to go somewhere like that. Or if he ends up, if he ends up on the Rams now that they don't have Brandon Cooks, I mean, watch out. That's a guy that they can line up in the backfield and then put Henderson outside. Chenault is a weapon for sure. But uh, for the Packers, I don't know. Jalen Rager, uh, I'm high on him, too. I like him for the Packers a lot. Um, he fits that Randall, Randall Cobb mold like we were talking about earlier. Um, a little bit different from what they have on the field already. But he's quick. I know that 40 time looked a little weird in the pro day. But the guy played at 197. He went to the combine at 10 pounds heavier. And ran a four four five four 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 whatever that was, and then dropped the ten pounds again. Realized the mistake, and then ran the four two, or if you want to even call it a four three, that's fast enough. Yeah, and like I, I want to say he was hurt at the combine too, and for him to run whatever you said, I think it was a four four. That to me is still impressive, and like yeah, like I mean, it's still a little iffy on that. Fat, like that four two two, but like either way, like it's still definitely it's yeah. still faster than what we have. So um, Matt kind of touched up on the uh, Christian Kirksey signing, and just briefly uh, before we lastly move into the offensive tackles, um, is Christian Kirksey another low risk high reward signing, a guy who was hurt the majority of the year, and I'm a big I'm also a big fan of drafting Kenneth Murray at the thirtieth pick. Um, but a lot of people um, are kind of on the fence of drafting a linebacker in the first round. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I say go defense. Sorry, Sorry, Casey, go ahead. (laughs) I was going to say just just, uh, if they're going defense there, um, I like whoever, you know, whoever falls. if we get the running or the wide receiver run in the first round that some people are predicting, uh, I mean, you're seeing six to eight wide receivers taking in some of these mocks. That's going to allow some defensive players to drop um, that you draft the value, you know, um, even in the first round, uh, people do it in their first five picks. You just draft the value, not necessarily position need sometimes. And whether that's, you know, I, I like Kenneth Murray. I like Patrick Queen a lot down there, too. 
Yeah, and I guess another thing to point out is, and like this is the reason why I say this, I'm also a big fan of going defense, like Kerry said, and drafting a linebacker. Um, but, and I want to, I'm, Blake Martinez did say this before he, uh, before he um, left for the Giants, is that the Packers just don't value running like linebackers the way they they've never valued linebackers. Mm. Martinez kind of covered both sides. I, I want to say that was more him than actual actually the Packers. They're going to utilize him the way they can and. I honestly don't think he could get to both sides of the field quick enough to make the impact that they probably wanted him to. Yeah, let's not forget that Blake Martinez was sort of an afterthought when he was drafted, and he was a guy that became a role player that, yeah, we started. And I, 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 I love his guts, and I love his, you know, his, his fight and his will, but he, he was never a, a high prospect when it came to coming into the draft as it was, mostly because, like Matt said, he couldn't cover a lot of area. And – with the way that Green Bay wants to play defense now, you got to have a linebacker that's going to be able to fly around. You need a Luke Keekley. You need a guy that's going to be able to read a play and get there and, and just stir some stuff up. And Martinez wasn't that kind of guy. He played his role. He did his job well. But he kind of was confined by his own abilities. Yeah, and I think either way, um, with the Kirksey signing, we need more depth. We lost both Martinez and Kyler Fackrell. So I would I would assume we draft linebacker early, and that moves us on to the offensive tackle before we get into the draft sleepers. Lastly, another, again, all, all three of these picks were low-risk, high-reward. Rick Regner was two-year, $11 million deal, and I believe I told Casey this before we went on air. To me, the safest pick at if we picked at 30 is offensive tackle, and the guy that I'm looking at is Josh Jones. And I had one friend ask me, and I get, we're a contending team. As long as we still have Rodgers, we are a contending team. And I had one one of my friends ask me a while ago, he said, why, are you, why would you draft a backup in the first round? One, with Rick Wagner's on a one-year, two-year, $11 million deal. Josh Jones performs well. You cut Rick Wagner. You can, if we cut Rick Wagner after the first year, we lose, like, that's literally no risk for us at all. And another thing, we don't have a lot of depth at the tackle position. And if Rick Wagner goes down, someone's got to step up, whether it be Josh Jones at the 30th pick or another guy like Cole Madison. I, I like it, Sam, because Green Bay has been pretty good at drafting relevant linemen and people that are going to protect Rodgers. And if they don't have that depth, they have had trouble staying healthy on the offensive line. And they need to protect Rodgers. While he's not while he's not maybe what he used to be, he's still one of the best that's playing the game right now. You have to keep him upright and you have to let him work. You know, one of the biggest gripes I've had about Rodgers I mean, literally since 2010 is you never see him throw a timing pattern. He, he wants to hold on to the football. He wants to keep it in his hands. He wants to make that almost looks like he wants to make the game winning throw every play. And while that bothers me, what bothers me more is that he can do it. And like Casey said, you keep number 12 upright and there, there's an anybody that's going to stop it. <clears throat> but in the same token, you, you guys are both on the money. Like, we've never had healthy offensive line. We've always needed more depth players at the offensive line position. And maybe that's because of 
the stress we put on them as, as Packers. But um, yeah, I mean, if we can get a solid backup, that's going to be able to jump between the two tackle positions who, you know, who's going to be able to jump in a tackle and slide another guy down a guard, whatever it may be, there's always that shuffling in the NFL, but you know, if you can't keep Rodgers upright, if you can't allow him to have the ball in his hands for as long as possible until he can make that throw, which is what he has become, then it, it's not going to matter. And, yeah, I mean, you guys are both dead on the money with that. If you're going to pick O-line right away, the Packers have been on a good job with it. They just never had the depth to really sustain it. Yeah. If they pick – if the Packers pick an offensive lineman with their first pick, he's got to be a starter. Otherwise, if that doesn't pan out, it's really going to hurt them this year because they have a lot of other glaring weaknesses that they have to take care of. And honestly, I don't know if Brian wants to take that kind of a risk when, like I said, there's so many needs that need to be filled, such as wide receiver, inside linebacker, and the the best offensive linemen are going to be off the board in the, the first 10, 12 picks, unless they're trading up, so... Yeah, tackle's another deep class, but unlike the wide receiver position, it's going to go away very quick. And before we go into the sleepers, uh, I do have a question for all of you. What are your what would you um, what were your what would your reactions be if we drafted Jordan Love at thirty? Well, there's your reaction. <laughs> Um, yeah. Jordan, yeah, Jordan Love at 30. Well, my first reaction is that that mean that that has to mean that three quarterbacks went off the board. And then yeah. does that does that at mean least. that it was the Packers plan all along was to get a quarterback and now and now they had to do this? Jordan Jordan Love um is as athletic as they come. I mean, he's really just a less refined uh Justin Herbert kind of uh, he he can move. Um, a lot of people are making the Patrick Mahomes comparisons. I, I'm I'm not one to do that. Um, that forces you know that forces the issue like they did with Favre many years ago. Um, if they want to do that again, that's a that's a strong hand to play. I think you're. Uh... You know, going to the Favre thing, if if we're expecting to draft a quarterback now and in four or five years, that quarterback be the starter and take over like Rodgers did, I think we're living in a fantasy world. I mean, vir- virtually none of us, hey, maybe Case remembers and, and Matt remembers a time before Favre. I, I'm not sure that I really do. I mean, you're talking 30 years almost of some of the best quarterback play that anybody's seen out of the same team. And to to expect that we're going to draft another quarterback in the 2020 draft that's going to, in four, three, four, five years, fill in that role again, I, I think we're living in a fantasy world. You know, Casey and I were just talking about this a couple weeks ago in that there are so many quarterbacks in this league that have starter potential, and there's just no, there's no openings. There's nowhere for them to go. Um. I think it would just, you know, like Matt said, I think it'd be in their best interest to fill the needs they need right now. And if there's a quarterback they really, really like later on in the draft, then yeah, go ahead and pull the trigger on that. See what happens. But to to pick a guy in the first round 
especially a guy that's that's already ranked as the number four, number five, number six quarterback in this draft class. I, I think you're asking a lot out of one guy, and I think you're I think you're asking a lot out of the Green Bay Packer Nation to to be okay with that. Yeah, as as a Packer fan, the only name I want to see, if it's not Tua and Burrow, it's got to be the guy from Oklahoma who threw 32 touchdown passes this past year. It's got to be Jalen Hurts. I don't want to see anybody else come off the board if it's going to be a quarterback. Otherwise, it's going to be a big disappointment. I'd rather have somebody that's going to be boom or bust, uh, somebody that can come in that's like a Russell Wilson. Um, I mean, he's got Jalen Hurts has great numbers, even from his what I think he started in his freshman year. He had I'm just seeing right here he had 240 completions, 62 percent. He's been above 60 percent his whole career, and. Uh, 23 touchdowns, 17 touchdowns, eight touchdowns, 32. I think 2018 he was injured, and that's when Tua started taking over, if I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah, let's not forget that this guy didn't lose his job at Alabama because he wasn't playing well. He lost his job at Alabama because they happened to have a sophomore quarterback that was the best quarterback in the nation. I mean, it's it's not like he's a bad player by any means. Tua, or Tua was just, he's just too good. I mean, we all saw what happened in the national championship game. You don't come in at halftime down and go on to win the championship throwing the balls that he was throwing if you're not a stud. And that's that's not a knock on Jalen Hurts by any means. Oh, no, not at all. I think you're exactly right. But what I'm saying is I'd rather have Hurts than uh, Jordan Love or uh, Justin Herbert or anybody like that. If it's not Tua or if it's not Burrow, I think if they're going to pick a quarterback, it's got to be somebody like Hurts. At least this year. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for Hurts. And normally when you see college quarterbacks get benched, they hit the transfer portal right away. That's not what Hurts did at all. He sat the year. Um, and I think that showed a lot of, about him, his character, his maturity. And I think that would be interesting. We did bring him in for a virtual interview. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, the player or like the mold of quarterback, a kind of a new regime because mobile, like not necessarily a mobile quarterback. And when he is mobile at his age, he kind of worries you. And to me personally, I think Jordan Love is the perfect quarterback to sit behind a Hall of Famer. And I would love him on the Packers, but not at the 30th pick. If we draft a quarterback, I would say maybe second or third round. I would say somewhere where you, Matt said, Jalen Hurts. But I think what people also forget is we have Rodgers under contract for four more years. So if we draft the quarterback, great. If we don't, I'm not going to be worried. The one guy I'm looking at right now, and as of right now, if we trade for him, we're not going to be able to afford it because we have about $11, $12 million. If the Miami Dolphins do not pick up Josh Rosen's contract option next year, that is the guy that I want to see in Green Bay. I think that's a great, great option. Um, I think that he probably has the same type of chip on his shoulder that Aaron Rodgers had, um, except it's still sitting on his shoulder. Um, he's got he's got room to grow still too, uh, and he's a smart dude. Um, I I think him sitting behind Fitzpatrick like he did last year, and if he does move on, if they don't if if they don't if they do move on from Rosen out of Miami, um, that would be a great option to sit behind Rodgers, especially with his contract running up. 
you're not going to see me jump on that bandwagon. I'm not a huge fan of Rosen. I mean, I'm not going to give him any flack for the Arizona situation. You bring in Cliff Kingsbury, and everybody knew that that was going to be done and over with anyway. But I, I just – I really can't get behind a guy that can go to Miami and still get beat out by Brian Fitzpatrick. I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. I love watching him play. It's inspired football, but it is it is not NFL technically sound football. And if Josh Rosen isn't able to at least get some snaps in there, I, it makes me question whether or not he is as talented as we thought he was. So um, before we end it, I want to go on the NFL as a whole, the draft as a whole now and talk sleepers. So we're all going to pick a sleeper. And the one guy that I have who I'm very surprised that he fell off the map, kind of, and no, nobody's talking about him. He went from being a late first-round pick to somewhere in the third round. And that is Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota, a guy who very quickly made a name for himself his past two, especially his final two years at Minnesota, um, posting well over 1,000 yards. And... Again, this guy has the perfect body frame. He's got the strength. He's got the body frame similar to an A.J. Brown. This guy slept on. I think he slept on because this, this draft class is so deep. And if we draft a receiver and then we get Tyler, the Packers get Tyler Johnson, um, if he somehow manages to fall to the third round, man, I really think that would be a steal. I like it. Um, when bringing in a little bit of the fantasy side i just did a, a mock draft and uh 12 team mock draft and tyler johnson wasn't even taken until the third round in that mock draft and um in the fantasy universe everybody was looking at him as a sure first round draft pick like we were going to be we were going to be spending high draft capital to get this guy into dynasty lineups now i don't know what it is um, no one has actually said what it is, but there were rumors around the senior bowl stuff. There were rumors coming out about around pro day and combine that, that there was, there was some issues behind the scene or that there was, you know, the motivation issues or something that was going on with them, but no one's actually went into detail as to what that was. And it hasn't come out yet. Um, it's allowed him to fall this far. I think the Packers are probably spending a couple of these picks on wide receivers and a guy that a guy like that getting him in the later rounds, uh, that can he's going to play in front of Devin Funches before the end of the season if they draft him. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely one of those guys. I I'm right there with you too, Sam. That you watched what he did. You know, Minnesota had some of those games last year where everybody kind of had to take notice of, and that that guy was everywhere. He was he was their passing game for a majority of those games. Um, I just, yeah, I don't think there's a better option as far as, like you said, getting him a little bit later in the third round if he's able to drop there, that he's got the talent. He's got the talent to make a huge difference year one. Yeah, Kerry, hit it. you guys both hit it on the spot, and so did Sam. This guy is elite. This guy's elite. I want to say um, maybe Casey can help me with some names that are coming out next year. Uh, but he's just as good as those guys, and I can't believe he's being overlooked. Uh, who's the top two guys coming in in 2021 class? Um, there's uh, Jamar Chase and uh, uh, Rondale Moore and Rashad. 
Rashad Bateman, who actually played with Tyler Johnson. Um, yep. Those two lit it up, you know. Um, Rashad Bateman was definitely was much more of the home run hitter. Um, he's faster, yeah. the deep ball threat. But Justin Ross <laughs> next year too. Justin Ross coming out next year too. Yep. This, this guy is going to have a better career than Henry Ruggs. Mark my words. Yeah, that's pretty bold. Yeah, and but Matt makes a good point. I mean, you got Bateman there in Minnesota, and and you still saw elite <clears throat> production out of this guy in many of his games in an offense that really isn't that high powered and that crazy. I mean, they were the they were the two, and it was Johnson the majority of the time. Like he said, Bateman was their big their big play guy, but Johnson was. I mean, he's what created a lot of their openings in that offense. Casey, you're up, man. What's your uh, what's your sleeper? Well, my sleeper is real deep, so we'll save him for last for people that really want to listen to the end. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Carrie, you're up, man. Uh, my first sleeper that I really wanted to go to, and he's not much of a sleeper, but he's just he's somebody I've had a crush on for a year and a half now. Is Keyshawn Vaughn? I just I don't know how he's going to get overlooked by some of these teams. I have a feeling he's going to end up rising in the draft board right before it happens. I think you're going to see a team take him real early or a lot earlier than expected. But he's a guy that I think you're going to see can make some serious changes to an offense. I think he's going to he's going to jump into an offense and you're going to see him do some crazy things. Um, and, I, and I don't mean crazy as in otherworldly athleticism, but he is – he is the type of guy that uh, um, I, I don't know. He's just he's just got a lot of the tools that I really like. He can catch the ball. He can run between the tackles. He's not overly large, but but he's able to take a hit, and that's why I really like him. Yeah, good pick, Kerry. Um, for me, it, it's going to definitely be Albert O. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. I'd probably have to Google it to get it correct. Uh, this guy's got elite speed for a tight end. Um, I think he was in the 4-5-40. The guy's 6'5", 255. Uh, he's a beast, and he can, con- he can take down uh, contested catches. Um, there's just a lot of mismatches there. Um, I'm not too familiar with his blocking abilities, but, I mean, he reminds me of someone like Noah Fon. I think he's going to be exceptional, and I think he's being overlooked. Uh, I know this class isn't as strong this year. Um, I think he's going to surprise some people. Yeah, I mean, I'll start with carries, man. Like, this guy, he rushed for over 1,000 yards his past two seasons. And this, the more you look at the running back class, I think the more talented it is. You got J.K. Dobbins, you got Antonio Gibson. If you really want to dig deep down, you can go for Eno Benjamin, who, again, he, he's my draft crush, man. Like, yeah, I want him in Green Bay. And I'm to me, I'm planning for Aaron Jones to be gone. And I think I'm not a fan of paying running backs. Eno Benjamin's a guy that has um, – one, he's consistent. Two, he's reliable. And three, he's a guy that you can count on in the passing game. And as for Albert O, again, I've, I've analyzed this guy before. Um, he's got tremendous speed for his size. And as for blocking, he's a guy that will be explosive off the ball, but he needs to finish. But, that again, that just comes with polishing. And Albert O is my favorite tight end in this draft class. So you nailed it right on the money there, Matt. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> All right, guys. Um, 
my guy is a running back out of Appalachian State, Darrington Evans. Uh, <laughs> he's yeah, this is a deep <laughs> guy, course. right? He he might even be unsigned to the Packers. He might be, you know, do the Packers have the what's the name of the guy that's picked last in the draft? Mr. Irrelevant. Do they have that picture? Mr. Pick Irrelevant. <laughs> anyway, um, he's 5'10. He's 203. Comes out of Appalachian State, like I said. Um, but he ran a 4-4-1. And he also put up 20 reps in the bench press. So this this guy is he's extremely athletic. I've watched some game film on him just recently, and maybe that's why he's in my head. But I watched him against Charlotte, and then I watched him against South Carolina and North Carolina. And this guy, um, he has this one-cut dimension to him where there's not a lot of wiggle. There's not a lot of steps in between just to get from one place to another. Um, He finds a hole. He finds the angle. He finds the blocks that he needs, and he gets there. There's no wasted effort. And because of that and the 4-4 speed, he hits home run shots left and right. And it's beautiful to watch. Um, this guy could come in and he could take Jamal Williams' job by midseason. And then you can let Aaron Jones go. Exactly like Max said. Um, or I'm sorry, like Sam said. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, boy. Um my apologies. <laughs> but um then you can let Aaron Jones go. Um paying those running backs their second contract is such a feeble thing and being able to load up on guys like this and like I said, you can get him at the very end of the draft and um he's going to contribute on special teams. I, I didn't see it on tape, but I bet he can return some kicks. He's got that speed. He's got that ability. And if he can find lanes and angles uh, while just taking some handoffs like I saw, he can do that while returning a kick. Yeah, and I think he's right on the money. He's elusive. He's patient and doesn't quite possess the, I guess, exp- I mean, the Jamal Williams size that you kind of want. But again, if we keep Jamal Williams, like you said, unless, of course, if he leaves, I think if he leaves, he could potentially go start somewhere. But if we keep Jamal Williams, which is what I would hope to do, and let go of Aaron Jones, you bring in a guy like Darrington Evans, who I would get, I would imagine is somewhere in the middle of day three. He's a role player. He's going to, I, I, from his stats, from his film, again, like you mentioned, I think he could be a guy that works hard and makes a name for himself. Not yeah, bad, not uh, bad. Evans had 18 touchdowns. Uh, the only concern there, it looks like he, uh, in case he maybe you saw more on the tape for a reason why Appalachian only threw the ball to him 6, 12, and 21 times in his, uh, I'm guessing, junior year. Um, there, no one, as far as I know, no one can really pinpoint that. Um, it's similar to actually Jonathan Ward where they came in, they had these really up and down seasons and it doesn't appear that there was really a change in the scheme or anything like that. Um, but yeah, sometimes with those smaller schools, 
Um, these guys, you you want to see them dominate more, especially for fantasy relevancy. We want it. We want to see small school guys dominate everybody that they play. What stood out to me on film was he did that against Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, he took the first handoff from scrimmage 80 plus yards, and then he took another one to the house uh, from 40, 50 yards out. But then he was able to do the same thing against North Carolina and South Carolina. And that that speaks volumes to me. So do you guys have anything else to add before we wrap things up? I mean, we could talk about sleepers more, but I don't know how much longer you've got. <laughs> how about we talk about bust? <sighs> One bust each? We could do that. Okay. We can go we'll, fast. We know we've kept you yeah, quite a while. We'll, we'll, we'll go quick. We'll go quick. And Matt, you're not going to like this one. Um, I think he will. I think he'll do well on the right team. And I'm looking at Dallas or Pittsburgh. I personally don't think much of Jalen Hurts. Um, I think he's the guy that teams are going to figure out. But then again, his style of play is what you want. Like that's what today's NFL scouts look for in the mold, like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. But again, I've seen like he wins with his feet. But if I've went from watching his film a long time ago when I was analyzing. He's a guy that under deep pressure, he's a guy that just makes like to me, he he, he just lofts the ball in the air and throws careless mistakes. And again, that's something you can polish. And to me, out of all the quarterbacks, I guess early quarterbacks like Burrow, um, Love, Herbert and Tua, to me, I, I would think he's the most um, I think he's going to need the most polishing. Um I don't want to say he's a bust, but I, to me, I just think he's going to need the most polishing out of all the quarterbacks, and I think he'll he needs a system to like the right system to do well in. And I think I see Dallas as a good fit because who knows if they're going to sign Dak? Me personally, I don't think they're going to have much of a choice. But then again, your Dak's holding out for a contract, and you go and throw a what thirty-person party? So I don't know. I mean. <laughs> To me, I just think Jalen Hurts is a good fit for Dallas if they're planning on not signing Dak or letting him hold out. Um, but as of right now, I, I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts just yet. Fair enough. When it comes to longevity... Casey, you got any? I don't have a bust yet. Uh, I can go. Go ahead, Kieran. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. That's cool. All right. Well, I just I love ripping on this guy because I'm not... I'm not excited. I'm not building into the hype. Here's the thing. So last last year I chose uh, AJ Brown at the one six, I think, or one seven, and that was in a standard uh, a standard one uh, quarterback league. And the guy had like he had elite traits. He had like three years straight. He had over a thousand yards. I can't remember the exact stats. Like 50, 60 receptions. I mean, he's a stud. I've heard Henry Ruggs is possibly going to be top 10, top 15, above Jerry Judy, above uh, uh, other guys like C.D. Lamb. Which I've just, seen him at four. <laughs> just, just crazy. I want to know what those guys are smoking because I want to get on that. All I'm saying is let's look at 40 times first. Guys that have run under four 340s. You're looking at, obviously, Chris Johnson was running back, but when it comes to right wide receivers, let me name off some guys for you. Rondell Men Menendez in 1999, Jerome Mathis in 2005, Marquise Goodwin in 2013. I mean, 
can those guys contribute? Can they be punt returners? Yes. Are they going to make, are they going to make or break your team on the offensive side? Uh, No, I, I just, I don't understand the hype around him. I know that he's super fast. He looks really good when he's around extreme talent, like Jerry Judy. Um, what are some other guys that are over at Alabama right now um, that are going to probably be first rounders next year too? Jalen Waddle, Devin Smith. Yeah, exactly. The guy hasn't broke 50 receptions in his college career ever. He had 11 touchdowns in his sophomore year. He had seven touchdowns this year, seven touchdowns. And he had 40 receptions for 746 yards. And people think this guy is top 10 talent. I, I just don't get it. That's spicy, Matt. That's interesting, yeah. <laughs> Mine might be a little bit crazier. I don't know. Um, I don't see T. Higgins doing anything in the NFL that is of significant value. All right. I, I think it's a fair I point. <laughs> I, I don't see him doing – I mean, yeah, he's got he's got some size. He's not overly slow. I mean – I don't know if there's something about him that just bothers me. He will show up for some games and he doesn't seem to show up for others, but still gets his stats. So it looks okay. You're talking about a guy that played in the ACC who played with who we're going to, I mean, who is going to be the number one quarterback coming out of the college next year. And he's playing against defenses that, I mean, can anybody remember the last time they went? Yeah. Wake's got a solid defense. Yeah, NC State's got a real solid defense, top in the nation. I mean, you look at you Carrie, look at his carry. The guy had sixty receptions two years in a row, almost two thousand yard seasons, and and above twelve touchdowns. Yeah, and that's fantastic. And that's like I've you know Casey was saying earlier. When you see these guys in these bad conferences, you want to see them do really well. So we're looking at a guy that's on the best team in the nation in a mediocre conference. I mean. Yeah, they're better than they're, they're a power five conference, but they're not any better than most of the other ones out there. When you look at the competition they have to go against, Clemson's the only team in that conference anymore. And I, I just don't see how we can take a guy that's coming out of Clemson that, yeah, he's got all of the stats in the world, but what has he done that really proves to me that he's going to prove it in the NFL other than beat a bunch of guys that are going to be second stringers on Sunday? Spicy I, I again. I, I don't know what you're seeing. <laughs> I I don't know. I that's, that's what I'm seeing. I've never seen him have I've never seen him have a game where it looks like he is the one dominating the defensive backs. Sure. It's it's, it's always been games where, yeah, they're gonna find him and they're gonna get him his stats, but you really don't see him dominate teams like OSU, LSU. You don't see him dominate Alabama. I want to see that game where it goes, okay, this dude can play with every single player out there, not just the NC States or the Wakes or the Georgia Techs. I mean, if you're not in the SEC or the Big Ten, I mean, your conference isn't overly impressive. Big 12, yeah, Oklahoma's done a nice job at producing guys like Neville Gallimore and now Kenneth Murray and other guys previous years. But that doesn't mean their defense as a whole is like, over like insane and like the big 12 is like not that impressive of a conference at all they're not they're not known for defense offensively yeah and that's why cd lamb is like to me, he's the second best receiver in the draft to me i just don't understand why people are 
putting him ahead of Judy. Judy is arguably he's one of the best route runners I've ever seen. He's the best route runner in this draft, and I think the one knocker people that people are giving on him, and I might even top off of yours, Matt, is he he had I mean Casey and the rest of them. He had Jalen Waddle. He had Devontae Smith. He had Najee Harris in the backfield, and he had Henry Ruggs, Jerry Drew. He, he had all these targets to throw to, whereas T. Higgins, T. Higgins had Travis Etienne and Justin Ross. So I guess, what, that's two guys versus, like, three or four. I like T. Higgins. I wouldn't be upset with him at 30. However, I do think it's a gamble, and I think, to me, I'd be happy if he was the absolute best receiver on the board. But to me, I just... I like T. Higgins, but again, I personally think he is a gamble as well. Yeah. Um, I like his size. I think he's got the nice mold for a receiver. But if you're talking Clemson receivers that they produced the past few years, like Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Williams, to me, I think he's the least polished coming out of college out of all of them. Yeah, and like you said earlier, Sam, I'd rather see them take Ty Johnson in the third or fourth over T. Higgins in the first. I think you're wasting a pick there with a guy that I just don't know that he's going to be able to blend in the NFL the same way. And I know Casey voted on this. Um, so we had actually our bracket just ended. Ironically, it's LSU versus LSU, Patrick Queen mm-hmm. versus Justin Jefferson. And before I let you guys vote on this, I voted, I voted Jefferson is because I the Jefferson is the receiver that I want the most at 30. I don't think he's going to be there. If Jalen Rieger, if we truly think that Jalen Rieger is going to fall a little bit later in the second round, I would take an offensive tackle. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. So I guess Justin Jefferson or Patrick Queen. To me, I think the wide receiver class is deep enough where you can wait a day. You can wait. You can wait until day two. So, Casey said Patrick Queen for my for exact reason I just named. The, the class is deep enough um, for the wide receivers that you can wait. Matt and Carey, Patrick Queen or Justin Jefferson at the 30th pick? <sighs> I, I think I got to go Patrick Queen. I mean, you got to go uh, – to bring up a stat I, I was a, was hoping to bring up earlier, there's only been one time in his NFL career that Aaron Rodgers had a top-10 defense, and that one year they won a Super Bowl. Give Aaron Rodgers a defense and let him do his work on the offense. He needs a defense to be able to keep him in ball games that he can then go in and win for him, for, you know, for the team. And to, for, for that reason alone, I mean, give him a defense. I don't think Queen's going to be there, but I would I would pick Patrick Queen as much as I like Justin Jefferson. It's not a sexy pick, but he's one of the best uh, linebackers in the in the draft. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't think personally, I don't, yeah, I don't think either of those guys are going to be there. Um, I don't think. I think we're in the perfect position to trade down, depending on who's on the board. Um, so. That will end it. Do you guys have any last-minute um, things to add before we wrap up? Well, can I do my bust quick? Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I'll do it real fast, and this yeah. may upset some people. He was on your uh, on our show sheet, I believe, but 
and I'll be a bit of a milk toast fence sitter and hedge my bets, but Chase Claypool coming out of Notre Dame, if he comes out and is drafted to be a wide receiver, I think he's a bust. If he makes the transition to tight end, I think he will be a very relevant tight end in the next couple of years. There's going to be things for him to learn. Um, but um, if if the Packers were to draft somebody like this, which they're not going to at 30, and with the way the NFL is right now, this guy will be gone when they get another chance. So it might not even be relevant to talk about. But this guy... This guy can catch the ball really, really well. He's very Noah Fant-like. Um, he's quick. And that's where the combine kind of blew him up. Everybody went crazy over um, his athletic profile. Um, and then we went back to the tape, and now everybody can find these good circus catches that he has. But he doesn't have, um, for fantasy purposes, he doesn't have a big or a great breakout age or a dominator rating of any sorts. So this is a guy that on the fantasy side, we're hoping transitions to tight end because it's, it's so fluid at the tight end position and we can always find these guys uh, or we are, we're always trying to find these guys that can make the jump in year three and, and be real productive. Now he can sit and he can kind of play behind Jay Sternberger and, and learn the tight end role a little bit more and learning the ins and outs of the blocking scheme. But, they can also spread him out and use him as that move tight end too. Little bits are Michael Finley like if they wanted to. Yeah, little little faster, a little more fluid. I think it's interesting the past few years, both the senior bowl and the combine have become kind of a rising improving stage for both players. Because I get yeah, Scouts had four three, four years. To watch these guys but chase claypool like you may it's a that's a prime example of a guy that lit up the combine yeah he was like he was well known at Notre dame he was well known throughout the college football world but he really made a name for himself and after the combine he even slid himself into the first round in mock drafts yep yeah yeah he did yeah absolutely so that will end it. Casey, Matt, Carrie, thank you for joining me. Uh, don't forget to give us a follow on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, which is Dairy Sports One. And check out Casey's uh, Dynasty Happy Hour, Quintez Cephas um, uh, Dynasty uh, article. And don't forget to give them all a follow on Twitter. And I will leave their uh, I will leave their names out as soon as this is posted. Um, so thank you for joining me. Thank you all for joining me, Carrie, Casey, and Matt. And have a good night and stay safe. Thanks for having us, Sam. Have a good night, guys. Thank you, Sam.